Thanks, Josh. Um, I don't know if you caught Josh uh, and Rachel on uh, BBC Radio Homicide. They were naturals. They're absolutely amazing. What I particularly love is right before they interviewed Josh, they played Hot Stuff, which I thought was really apt. And uh, so well done, well done, Josh. Uh, I thought that was great. Uh, today we are launching a new series called The Rescue. The Rescue. I was prayer walking recently around Bridlington Harbour. I don't know what it is about Bridlington Harbour, but God seems to speak to me a lot when I'm there. And uh, like any other harbour, there were loads of uh, little boats there. And immediately, I just sensed God was starting to speak to me and impress upon my heart some of his uh, dreams for our church as we're in this pandemic and lead up to Christmas. And my mind flashed back to the story of Dunkirk, uh, Second World War, about 400,000 British and French troops stranded, trapped on the beaches of Dunkirk. No way out. Now, the British Prime Minister Winston Churchill faced the unthinkable reality of losing so many people. And under extreme pressure, he came up with a genius uh, solution. He put the word out to anyone who had a boat. Anyone had a sailing boat, a lifeboat, a leisure boat, normal people just like you and I to sail to Dunkirk in France and rescue the stranded soldiers. Now I want you to think about that image because I really believe that God wants to commission his church in this season to go and to rescue people. And right now, it's as though we are like those little boats. We're all um, scattered and different, unique situations. We're all in our our homes and our bubbles uh, and our boats, if you like. And there's something about a movement. There's something about a movement of many small things pervading and influencing our world that I really believe that God's hand is upon at the moment. I really believe that small is the new big for church in this season. God is calling his church to go as a lifeboat, to go and rescue people, like Josh talked about, in our communities. These are people who are just drowning. They're drowning just in life with addictions, with unemployment, with financial hardship, with relational pressure. But more importantly than that, people are spiritually drowning. And they're waiting. They're waiting for you and they're waiting for I to bring the hope of the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We have the remedy that people long for. Jesus is what people have been waiting for their entire lives. And people are in a storm right now. And what they need is a lifeboat. And you know, most people actually find God in a crisis. People have intrapersonal problems to do with um, issues of maybe depression, troubling um, thoughts, uh, interpersonal crisis with strained relationships, or situational crisis. People have lost um, a job or they've lost a loved one. And Simon Ponsonby, who serves as the pastor of theology at St. Old Age Church in Oxford, he cites the Puritan scholar John Owen and says this, that the Holy Spirit directs the course of a person's life, bringing a fugitive sinner to a place of conviction and personal crisis 
where he or she is intellectually and existentially ready for the gospel. And he suggests that the Spirit's provenient grace may be manifested through sudden disaster, affliction, remarkable deliverance, observing godly conduct in others, or direct conviction of sin. So when we meet someone who is in crisis, it's very possible that someone has exhausted their own resources for humanly solving their own problems, and that the Holy Spirit, that God is at work. His fingerprints are all over that person's life. He's at work preparing that person to receive the good news of Jesus. And I've seen that this week. Just this week, I've uh, had an opportunity to share the gospel with people, to pray for people on the streets, to invite people to this church and to other churches in the city. And the reality is, is that in this pandemic season, there is a crisis on people's lives where people feel hopeless. They're longing for hope. They're longing for peace. And we have this incredible message. And I really believe that as a church community, we are marked by Psalm 82. I believe this is the season where God has marked us by these words, defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Now, when people hear uh, Christians like myself talking about trying to rescue people and save people, I think it comes out terribly arrogant, full of pride, like we've got it all sorted and nobody else has, and that's, of course, not the case at all. I love it how Martin Luther puts it. He says this, that Christians are all mere beggars showing other beggars where to find bread. And that is how I feel when I'm sharing my faith with other people. And I really believe that the best rescuers are those who understand how much they have actually been rescued themselves. You know, when followers of Jesus live in this truth and reality of what it means to be saved, to be what it means to be snatched, to be rescued, to be found, to be sought after, we in turn are the best rescuers. In fact, more than that, we as followers of Jesus today need rescuing. I've been following Jesus for over 30 years. I'm a pastor of a church, and there isn't a day that goes by that I don't fall to my knees and say, I'm completely in need of rescuing. I'm completely in need of the mercy and the grace of God in my life. It is a present, active reality. Because of the cross of Christ, it has happened, but is also happening in our lives. Rescue and salvation is something we need continually. Christians never outgrow the hope that we find in the gospel. We need it daily. We are being saved. We are working out our salvation. It's only religious people who ever think that they don't need rescuing. But true followers of Jesus recognize that we need to be rescued. We need to be saved. Why? Because the Bible paints a picture which this pandemic that we're in only seeks to confirm, and it's the worldview of us as followers of Jesus that we must have. It's our story, if you like. It's our perspective, our narrative. And it's this, the world, if you hadn't realized, just turn on the news, is in deep, deep trouble. Things are not good out there. Things are pretty beaten up. But we believe passionately that there is a God who intervenes. That's what we sang in that last song, about the reckless love of God. It is a God who radically 
intervenes and rescues, who breaks into history and intervenes on behalf of humanity, comes, transforms our lives. He is present and he is engaged and he's making us new and all things new again. And this rescue mission was not something that was out of the blue. It's been longed for year after year. Seasons came and went, generations born and died, kingdoms rose and fell. And then one day, someday, he will come. God will come to us. Salvation will come. And it came in Jesus, which means his name, God saves. God rescues. He is the main actor in the drama. He must take center stage. He is the good news. He is the message. Now, friends, when we, the church, we realize the depths of our situation and the wonder of the gospel and how much we have been rescued, we will have no problem going to share our faith, going to spread kindness and compassion and praying for people and giving hope, helping practically and sharing the wonderful news of Jesus. I was reminded of a beautiful story of the Battelle Church in Spain. And uh, this church is full of people who have had it hard in life, um, drug dealers, prostitutes, even murderers. And here they met Jesus, found forgiveness of sins, freedom from slavery, a family to belong to and a future to live for. Now when they worship, they dance. And there was this guy called Raul, and he was one of the first to be rescued from heroin addiction and he became a pastor um, of the community but he sadly died young from HIV and asked someone asked Raoul why do the people dance so enthusiastically and he replied we dance because we cannot fly they really understood what it meant to be rescued and saved and we rescue someone why because it is the heart of God because he is concerned for people. He is concerned for people. The gospel is centered around Christ's concern for us, for humanity. His betrayal, his, his arrest, his trial, his death, and yet he's still concerned about the disciples. The incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection is all about Jesus' concern for us. In heaven, he's now praying for us. In the gospel, he's concerned about whether people have enough food or drink or clothes, which is why we're concerned about that. He's concer- concerned about the needy, the poor, the harassed, the orphan, the wid- widow, the leper, the outcast, the marginalized, the dead, the victims of religious abuse, political injustice, tax collectors, the lost sheep, prodigal sons, the nations of the world, the bruised, the brokenhearted. And he concerns himself with you. And when we understand that, we must now concern ourselves with him and his incredible great cause. In the book of John, chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus says this to describe people who are ready for God. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. The main thrust of those words is to see the harvest, is to behold to look, to listen, to look up. And much of the church have their eyes closed or are looking in the wrong place. So often the church is looking after herself, concerning herself, focused on building bigger and better barns rather than the harvest. 
Let's not wait till things get back to normal. Right now, Jesus has come to seek and save that which is lost in a pandemic. So let us open our eyes today. Let us look at the harvest. Who can we see? Our neighbors, our work colleagues, our family, people in our communities. Yes, there are things that we may struggle with, with our masks and social distancing and bubbles, but who can we drop a note to? Who can we give a phone call to? Who can we share and pray for? The evangelist J. John said this, a missionary is not someone who crosses the sea, but who sees the cross. When we see the wonder of the cross of Christ and his great rescue mission, we want to go and share the love of Jesus with people. And COVID has definitely sharpened the choice for us as followers of Christ. Do we turn inwards to self-preservation and self-reliance and protection, live behind our own four walls? Or do we do what Jesus called us to do, which is this, and he said this, we must lose our lives in order to find it. And so we need a deep personal and cultural conversion where we understand this, that we become happy. We become happy in our innermost being as we lose our lives for the sake of rescuing our neighbor, our work colleague, the stranger, the marginalized. That is when we go to bed at night, we lay our head on a pillow and we say this, God, I've partnered with you today to help change one person's life. We must concern ourselves with our community. Let me just read you the words of the vision that inspired General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. He said this, a young Christian once came to me and told me that for some time she had been giving the Lord her profession and prayers and money, but now she wanted to give him her life. She wanted to go right into the fight. In other words, she wanted to go to his assistance in the sea. As when a man from the shore, seeing another struggling in the water, takes off those outer garments that would hinder his efforts and leaps to the rescue, so will you who still linger on the bank, thinking and singing and praying about the poor, perishing souls, lay aside your shame, your pride, your cares about other people's opinions, your love of ease, and all the selfish loves that have kept you back for so long, and rush to the rescue of this multitude of dying men and women. Does the surging sea look dark and dangerous? Unquestionably, it is so. There is no doubt that the leap for you, as for everyone who takes it, means difficulty and scorn and suffering. For you, it may mean more than this. It may mean death. He who beckons you from the sea, however, knows what it will mean, and knowing he still calls to you and bids you come. You must do it. You cannot hold back. You have enjoyed yourself in Christianity long enough. You have had pleasant feelings, pleasant songs, pleasant meetings, pleasant prospects. There has been much of human happiness, much clapping of hands and shouting of praises, very much of heaven on earth. Now then, go to God. Tell him you're prepared as much as necessary to turn your back upon it all and that you're willing to spend the rest of your days struggling in the midst of these perishing multitudes, whatever it may cost you. You must do it. With the light that is now broken in upon your mind and the call that is now sounding in your ears and the beckoning hands that are now before your eyes, you have no alternative. To go down among the perishing crowds is your duty. 
Your happiness from now on will consist in sharing their misery, your ease in sharing their pain, your crown in helping them to bear their cross, and your heaven in going into the very jaws of hell to rescue them. What beautiful, beautiful vision of what the church can do when we leave the comfort of our lives and launch into a rescue mission. And we're going to be baptizing a bunch of people right now. And the reality is, this is what baptism is all about. It's saying this, God has rescued me. And because of that, I follow him all the days of my life. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'd love to invite Josh back up, and he's going to lead us in this next part of the baptism service.